you're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads Agency. We have created a standard operating procedure for Performance Max. And when I say we, I mean John, really. John has created a, an SOP for Performance Max. I'm so excited about this. I think it's a massive, big, gaping hole in the industry. Uh, as of yet, there's really no scaffolding around the decisions that you're making. Um, so we wanted to share this with the world um, with the obligatory disclaimer. And you already know what it is that I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, because if I don't, I still get the comments or, you know, we get our feet held to the fire like, wow, you, you promised. Um, this is... This is a set of guidelines that should be viewed as very, very loose recommendations that are meant to be broken uh, as often as not, depending on your industry, competitive market, etc. So uh, this is not gospel. This is just a, a when in doubt set of guidelines. Um, and and uh, I'm going to reference the dis this disclaimer often, I, I feel, but I I've gotten it out. So... Uh, oh, I guess the other thing that I should say is this is probably going to change. 30 days ago, we were telling everybody start with maximized conversions. Today, we're telling everybody start with maximized conversion value. It's because we learned. It's because we learned. When we were saying start with maximized conversions, it's because the campaigns that we use maximized conversions uh, with were m more successful faster. But then we realized that long term, the optimization was limited. So... You know, now it's a question of, well, do I need to prove concept quickly or do I want to optimize over time? And because we're an agency that's working towards customer retention, we want to optimize over time. But that's a good example of, you know, there's other things that we might be doing um, now that we could find out, you know, days, weeks, months, years from now, are <laughs> we might recommend uh, uh, an alternative for. So um, I, I ask for your grace. All right, that's enough. Um, here's the beginning of the standard operating procedure. Every performance max campaign is going to be built with uh, this general set of guidelines, and I'll go through them in sequence. The very first one is, how do I separate my asset groups? That's, how, that's you know, one of the big questions that we get asked all the time. For us, it's by product or service category. Um, for lead generation, service category, obviously, but for, for e-com, uh, you're going to separate your asset groups by product category. This is just the most obvious. It's the most basic. It's the easiest thing to do. Um, it requires the least amount of thought, and most most businesses already have their product categories defined and delineated. So it allows us to kind of like live into their present and existing structure. Um, and that's not, you know, that's helpful, not just with product categories and, and you know, the, the, the tree that they have built, um, you know, their, their, their supposed product sitemap. It's also helpful because they generally uh, separate their media and assets and, and marketing materials that way too. So uh, separate asset groups by product categories. Now, here's where things get interesting. You're going to replicate the asset groups by each distinct and applicable audience signal. So if you have five product categories and five audience signals, you have 25 asset groups. Here's what that means. If you're selling shoes, which is one of John's favorite examples, um, one audience signal might be... Um, Let's say you're, you're selling shoes and, and you have uh, dress shoes for uh, people that are going to a wedding. Um, so you've got wedding shoes. Are there wedding shoes? There are for this example. Uh, the audience signal here, if you were to do an in-market uh, audience for people who are shopping for wedding dresses, a separate audience signal wouldn't be somebody who's visited the David Bridles website. Those would be potentially, in theory, the same audience signal, depending on how granular you want to go. And then a subsequent audience signal... 
um, again, on shoes might be people who are uh, in the job market. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna you're gonna choose audience signals, and make sure that they're distinctly separate. So the way that you're targeting the audience signal can be bundled inside of a separate inside of a, the the same asset group, um, and then you're gonna separate the audience signals thematically, and then you're gonna take every audience signal that applies to all of your product categories. So you know maybe you have open toed shoes, high heeled shoes. Uh, big and tall shoes or whatever. And you're like, all right, do all of these apply to people going to weddings? Yes, cool. I've got, um, you know, that's, uh, all five of these are replicated one time for that uh, audience signal. And then I move on to my next audience signal. I hope that made sense. I bumbled through that, but I think I got there. Um, you're gonna have a combined asset group which has all of your products to all of your signals. This is where we're going, Google, give me all the data you got. Give me everything. Um, and then you're also going to have a combined asset groups to where you're going to have all of your products to each individual signal. So, and we want to play this all product game because you want to see, uh, you want to see what the cross pollination looks like on a signal and product basis. Now you might run out of asset groups. And if that's the case, you now have to begin making some hard decisions as to which product categories and which audience signals you think are most viable. And, and that's the way to do it. Build a hierarchy. And to be honest with you, <laughs> guess. Guess it, it, you know, okay, well, I think we're, you know, the, the, the wedding shoes have real high margin. I'd love to see if we can make that work. Awesome. But my hiking boots, super low margin, and, you know, we're not very competitive there. So I might deprioritize that in a couple of different places. Um, we're always going to turn final URL expansion on unless you have extreme cases uh, or, or a very strong reason not to do this. However, within final URL expansion, don't forget to exclude URLs that, for whatever reason, you don't think... Um, should capture traffic. I'd be very careful there. I have another video on final URL expansion and the fact that we're converting off of URLs that I never expected to convert off of, A. B, and we can't, we can't see this in Google Ads, but you can kind of piece it together with analytics. You see pages that aren't conversion pages that, uh, that feel, dangerous word to use in a data-driven environment, that feel like they contribute to the conversion. So testimonials, case studies about us, mission, vision, values, giving back, those types of pages where, okay, they're not converting off of that page, but gosh, it sure feels like on my conversion path, people that land on those pages are more likely to convert later. So I would, I would caution you against being too aggressive with your ULR exclusions, but don't forget to use them. Um, we're gonna use maximized conversion value, and you're not gonna have a T ROAS. There's an exception to this. Google told us recently, that if you apply no T-ROAS, the system automatically applies a T-ROAS of 200%, which is really frustrating, by the way, and also very stupid. Um, if I wanted a 200% T-ROAS, then I would have applied a 200% T-ROAS. If your T-ROAS is under 200%, and I was talking to a client about this yesterday, they have a break-even target. They're like, look, if you can go one-to-one, -one, um, we're in great shape because their retention is so strong. So if your T ROAS is under 200%, set a T ROAS. If it's not, set no T ROAS. You're going to be spending inefficiently on purpose. You're going to spend four to six weeks, potentially longer, possibly over investing inside of this market. But this is the only way that Google's going to go figure out what product categories work with what asset groups. So realize that you're not spending here to buy customers, you're spending here to learn. And um, it's funny because that, that was a pretty consistent narrative in old school advertising, radio, television, newspaper. It was, yeah, we're going to do the first season is going to figure out, you know, what, what placements work for us. And then the second season will we'll get a little bit more efficient. 
we've been spoiled by digital marketing and, and we're kind of back there now. So this is, this, is, this is a pill we've all had to swallow in the past. Not that any of us were alive back then, but you know what I mean. Um, humanity has had to contend with this before. Uh, you're also going to include all products. Unless there are potential fulfillment issues. That's the one big caveat. If you ever think you're going to run out of something, Pmax is a scale machine. Don't teach Google how to sell something you're not going to be able to sell. It kills campaigns. It's such a nightmare. And you know, it's funny because I bring this up on sales conversations. I'm like, all right, so no fulfillment issues at all? And they're like, oh gosh, as much as you can sell, we can get a lot of hoorah. And then all of a sudden we start selling stuff. And I'm like, hey, we ran out of product SKUs AM4 and 9. And it's just like, well, we talked about this and you lied to me. So these are the best practices. Again, m mild suggestions. By the way, they're all in one PMAX campaign. I guess I haven't said that because it's sort of implied. We're not separating PMAX campaigns. We're using one PMAX campaign, and then there's a reason to separate PMAX campaigns later. Let me move my face. Now, you are going to build this, and you are going to run it for six weeks plus whatever the client's time lag is, or whatever your time lag is. If you don't know your time lag, then you don't know what this number is, and you're just going to have to figure that out on the heels of Performance Max. So if you're a brand new... Uh, advertiser, then I don't even want to tell you to guess because it's, it's pretty difficult to determine many instances. But um, if you've run campaigns prior to, especially smart shopping, uh, because Performance Max and Smart Shopping operate in similar ecosystems in terms of their multi-channel distribution, then your time lag inside of Smart Shopping, I think, should be pretty analogous to your time lag inside of Performance Max. I don't have data to tell you that 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 they're you know pair pursue. But I'm just kind of assuming that that's the case. So take six weeks plus your time lag plus your performance timeline. Uh, this is especially true for lead generation, but can be true for high ticket e-com. You know, we've got somebody in the medical device space and they have $30,000 medical devices. People don't buy those right out of the gate. You know, it's six weeks to uh, allow the campaign to, to learn, reach stasis. And then you have to wait the time lag period because the time lag is the amount of time it takes for um, uh, uh, the marketing endeavor to start showing what it can, what, what happened in the past to come to fruition. And then your performance timeline. Here's what this means. If you're not a little scared of this, by the way, then you're not paying attention. We're going to, this has never been the case with Google ads ever. We're going to build it. We're going to launch it. We're not going to touch it for what could amount to for some advertisers months Yikes. I'm telling you, we have a dozen some odd case studies now showing that this is necessary. And the people that want to go play Tinker, Tinkerer, Tinkerbell, the people who want to go play Tinkerbell are going to, are going to, you just reset learning. You kill PMAX. Um, you have to let it be. I want to sit here and just stew in that message. You have to let Performance Max learn. You have to let it be. Um, every time you make a change, it resets everything. And, and that's only, that's not entirely true, but it's, it's worth believing that it is true. Um, I've heard it said that, you know, I, I don't believe in God, but no matter what, I act as though he exists because regardless of whether or not he does exist, it's just good for me to, to act in a fashion uh, that keeps me right with the world. As extreme as that example is, that's the way I want you to look at Performance Max. You make a change, it resets learning. Um, 
The other thing that I'll say before I move on is the amount of money you spend is going to be dictated by the amount of product categories you have, the amount of audience signals you're targeting, and how competitive your market is. And there's no way for me to tell you what that is. Um, if you've been running Google Ads in the past, you probably have a pretty solid idea. And, it, and that probably will carry over from all the campaigns that Performance Max is going to steal from. If you haven't, you're going to have to go figure that out. It's $100 a day at a minimum. But $100 a day probably isn't enough to support 25 asset groups in a competitive market. So you're going to start to see you know, where you're making a splash and where you're not at all. So you build Performance Max, you follow these SOPs, you wait this amount of time. Which, by the way... I would love for any of you, for, for those of you who've actually been successful with Performance Max, you armchair theorists, I don't care what you have to say. The people that have been successful with Performance Max, I'd like to see if you disagree with any of this. This is a set of logical and educated assumptions based off of what all of our strategists, CM specialists have said, combined with John's leadership, and this is the output, which is pretty solid, by the way. We have $54 million dollars in ad spend under management, and most of it now is headed in the performance max direction. So I think we have a lot of data, but I, I'm still interested in being informed by other people on the outside because some of this could very could just be self-fulfilling prophecy, echo chamber, whatever. This is the best we can do for now. Now, you've run your PMAX campaign. You've waited the adequate time. Super important. You've waited the adequate time. Now what do we do? If, and I'll actually start from the right and move to the left because it gets more complex. If you're not meeting your ROAS goals, uh, which it, which case the budget is negligible, um, if you're not meeting your ROAS goals, then you need to figure out why. And this feels very passive aggressive, but the problem here, y'all, is there's no SOP for this. There can't be. If there was, I wouldn't have a job. Like we wouldn't have an agency. There's a hundred billion reasons why this could potentially be the case. Um, and, and a lot of them aren't even in the Google Ads ecosystem. Like it, it could be on-site issues. Um, visibility, competition, pricing, uh, go-to-market strategy, messaging. So if you're not meeting your ROAS goals after having waited the adequate timeline, um, then you need somebody who actually knows what the hell they're doing to review and diagnose. It might mean, because Performance Max can fail, it might mean that you just need to lean into more traditional campaign types. Now... One of the questions that I got when I presented this to, we'll call it a, a sounding board, was, well, if I'm not meeting my ROAS goals, I don't have a T-ROAS applied. So can I just apply the T-ROAS? You sure can. Uh, that's after you're learning. Um, after you're learning. So once applying T-ROAS, if you're still not meeting your ROAS goals, now we need review and diagnosis and then lean into more traditional campaigns. If you're meeting your ROAS goals, but you're not meeting the budget, you come down and do this. First, you're going to clone the entire PMAX campaign. This is going to get real counterintuitive, by the way. We had a bloody nerd war internally over this. Uh, you're going to clone the entire PMAX campaign. In the new PMAX campaign, you're going to shut off all non-performing asset groups. So the new PMAX campaign only becomes your top performers. In the old PMAX campaign, you're going to shut off all of your performers. This was the thing that scared the daylights out of everybody is, well, wait a minute. I have a campaign that's working. I'm going to take everything out of the campaign that's working and only turn on the things that aren't working. And then I'm going to create this new campaign with the things that are working, but it stands to reason that 
and because we've all seen this maybe only a billion times, uh, even when all things are equal, for whatever reason, those campaign types aren't necessarily treated as though they're equal. So that was the fear. We've tested it both ways. And the new campaigns with the performing assets perform better. While the old campaigns with the non-performing assets actually perform better with the old campaigns. And let me tell you why I think this is. This is highly speculative, by the way. And I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about. But this is just my best guess. I think if you take the old campaign, the original campaign... All the performing assets are the performers because they're, they're the lowest hanging fruit. So this old campaign went, tried against, you know, tried all of the asset groups, all the audiences, all the product categories, figured out what worked and was able to make those work. Well, when you turn those off, the original campaign has still has a wealth of data and still made a bunch of attempts against the non-performing assets. So its ability to make those assets perform greatly outpaces a brand new campaign with the non-performing assets. So this isn't about the performing assets. So far what we've seen is they perform just as well in a cloned campaign with everything else removed. Even better because they have dedicated budget. This is about your non-performing assets. If you want your non-performing assets to perform, then take away their big brothers, the, 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 the assets that are performing even better because they're the ones that are eating up all of the, all of the budget. I hope that makes sense. That's a theory. I think it's a pretty good one, but it's just a theory. So, um, new campaign, shut off all non-performers. Old campaign, shut off all performers. And you have now effectively PMAX sculpted. <laughs> uh, one really quick note. In your fire, final URL expansion for both campaign types, you're going to turn off all of the pages that apply to the products that have been removed from each of the PMAX campaigns. So the new campaign is going to have all of the pages for that apply to any of the old uh, uh, campaign products removed and vice versa. Um, you want to make sure that you're, you're keeping these things separate and from being incestuous. And you're going to do that until your ROAS is, you're meeting your ROAS and you're meeting your budget, which incidentally is the, the third thing that could happen from a brand new campaign. If you're meeting ROAS and you're meeting budget, drum roll, don't touch it. Stop, don't touch anything it's a crazy don't mess with a good thing because everybody's like oh my gosh we're making a bunch of money what do we do and the answer is not a damn thing we're gonna sit and we're gonna watch it now are there optimizations that can be made yes of course absolutely a lot of them are actually in campaign types outside of performance max you can start to see like oh gosh you know this is working here and this is working there. i'm going to build a search campaign in order to push pmax more to search um there, it's really fun when you get there but in the very beginning you're going to optimize yourself out of performance. So don't touch anything uh, unless you really know what the hell you're doing, which really means that you're us. Uh, that was more aggressive than I meant for it to be, but hopefully y'all know what I mean. Um, you can sculpt lower performing asset groups very, 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 very carefully. A lot of that is media. Uh, copy, imagery, offer, so there, there is some optimization to be had, but be real careful. If you've got a PMAX campaign, and y'all, this is the thing as we've seen this happen. We've seen it to where it's like, oh, PMAX is killing it. And then the client comes in and starts pressing buttons, and then they tank it. Uh, we have one client in particular, and this is funny. Uh, I'll go big for this one. One client in particular, we built a performing, high-performing PMAX campaign for, and their Google rep, their dedicated Google rep came out and said, hey, we should, and we were like, no, we don't want to do that. And then they convinced the client to do it, killed performance. 
we brought it back. Had to backtrack, redo everything that we did, brought it back. And then their dedicated Google rep had another, and then we said, no, let's not do that. And then they did it, and it killed performance. We brought it back. Third time won't be the charm. The client now understands that the Google reps are not all they're cracked up to be. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty mean on the Google reps. It's, it's, those, it's the lower level ones. Some of the high level Google folks are freaking the smartest people I've ever met. Now, if you have, if you're meeting ROAS and you're meeting budget and you want to increase your budget, you have two options. Uh, it's based off of how much budget increase you, you, you plan on doing. So are you more or less than 50% of your daily ad spend? Um, if you were less than 50% of your daily ad spend, then you have a maximum of one budget increase every two weeks. If you're more than 50% of your daily ad spend, a maximum of one budget increase every four weeks. We're spreading this out. Google, in writing, has said we can take any amount of ad, in ad spend increase. This is a lie. This is a bold-faced, unadulterated, in capitals with underlined lie. And it's shocking to me that it's... I'll try to find a link if I can. Um, it's crazy that they'd even say that. This is how you increase budget. Increase in weight. Increase in weight. Increase in weight. And then, at a certain point, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself here. You're meeting realize you're not meeting budget. And then you scroll down and you do this. And then it gets very cyclical, um, which I actually kind of like. It means the whole damn thing kind of makes sense. So this is what it looks like zoomed out. Um, I'll include a link to this somehow. And I hope that this is helpful. I imagine this is going to be very iterative. And I'd love for y'all's input, by the way. I mean, this all this, this is all so new. So don't think just because you're smaller, just because you have one campaign that, you know, oh, there's no way I figured out stuff that they haven't. You would be surprised. Everything that we figured out has come from, think about this. It's all just individual participation and inclusion. It's, you know, a specialist figures this out and tests this, a strategist tests that, a CM recommends this, and then, and then we sew that together in this little patchwork quilt that we're offering up. So we'd love to include you in the quilt um, if you have ideas or recommendations for us. And then, and then my hope is someday I'll be a little bit more robust here, but right now it's just like, it, it would be like asking the question like, oh, why didn't my Google Ads campaign perform? Well, you know, like, I, I, it's, it, it's impossible. Impossible question to answer. Um, that's all I got. Really appreciate, uh, we just hit 10,000 subscribers, by the way, so I'm pretty excited about it. Appreciate everybody's support. I hope the content that we're pushing out has been uh, helpful. And um, I'll see you all tomorrow. Wait, before you go. I'm constantly looking for amazing people to come join our team. So if you're passionate about Google ads and you're passionate about customer success, please go to solate.com forward slash apply. And we'd love to see you as a part of the solutions 18. Also, if you like this video, give us a thumbs up. It lets the YouTube algorithm know that we actually know what we're doing. And uh, don't forget to subscribe. We shoot a video every single day and I don't want you to miss out on any of it. Lastly, if you have questions, comments, concerns, confessions, or you just hate my face and my voice, go ahead and hit us up in the comments. We get very little human interaction, and even the heckling is something that I kind of get a kick out. So thank you so much for watching. Thank you for being subscribers if you're a subscriber. Don't forget to apply if you're interested in working at Solutions 8. Otherwise, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads Podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions8 at sol8.com.
Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation? Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan a bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's S-O-L-8.com. S-O-L, the number eight, dot com.